0: we're going to jump in. Uh, we just finished a series about Samuel. Pastor Frank finished it up last week. And we're actually in between because next week, we're going to start a sermon series on David. Um, and we're going to hang out a couple weeks with David. And we're going to hang out with a couple. Um, we've been hanging out with a bunch of Old Testament characters and kind of, you know, going through their story and going through their lives and that sort of thing. Um, so in this sort of transitional period. Pastor Frank came to me a couple weeks ago and said, Hey man, I want you to, um, you know, we're going to put this sort of standalone Sunday in, and um, I'm giving you, you know, just. Whatever, whatever you want to do, and I said, okay, cool. Um, So I started thinking. The minute he, you know, at any time I figure out, you know, he tells me what I'm going to do, and you know, when my time is coming or whatever, I begin. I start beginning to pray and start saying, okay, God, what what do my people, what do these people want to hear? Um, What do they need from me? Um, Because it's not about me. It's it's about you. So just tell me what do they need to know? Um, And most of the time, um, he. I, 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 I pray, and I think, and I start preparing, and then it changes two or three times, and then I get here, and then it changes again, and then I get up on stage, and it changes for, you know, like the seventh time. Um, but the thing that I want to bring out, and I think we have this graphic on the screen we do, is defeating the darkness. How do we defeat the darkness in our life? How, how are we able to, to use God and use the, the own ability that God gave us to defeat the darkness? And when we say darkness, I'm actually talking about a very specific darkness, um, that we're gonna talk about in a minute as we go on, that I think doesn't get enough attention in the church. Um, so I, as we kind of progress throughout this sermon today, um, I'm going to try to give you practical and biblical examples of what we can do to defeat that specific darkness that I, I'm going to hit on in a minute. Um, but first, I, I think we've talked about this before. If I have, I know Pastor Frank has, um, when, we, when we talk about the church and, and why we're here, um, the, the church, just, just to start off with, just, just from the very beginning, just from the get-go here, The church is supposed to be like a hospital, right? You've heard that analogy before, that a church is not meant for perfect people. Um, If if you were a perfect person, you wouldn't need to come to church, right? The same way for a hospital. If you're in a hospital, you, you don't go there if, you know, you're not sick or you're feeling ill or anything like that. That's the reason why you go to a hospital. You go there to get better. You don't go there because you feel fine. You don't go to the emergency room because you're having a great day. I don't know why you would want to do that. That sounds miserable. Um, the only reason you go to a hospital is if something bad is happening, right? That, that's the point. Well, a church is much the same way, and I think we've kind of forgotten that as a church because when we come in here, when we come through these doors, a lot of times we we put on this, this fake thing that we're like, hey, everything's great in my life. You know, how are you doing today, brother? We're like, oh, I'm awesome. I'm doing great. And then you walk away and you're like, why did I just say that? Why did I just tell him I was awesome? Why did I just tell him I was doing great? I'm having a terrible week. We 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 treat church like... Like we're supposed to put on this fake mask of, hey, I've been the perfect Christian all week. I'm feeling awesome. I'm feeling wonderful. I've done everything right this week. How are you doing? And then the person you're talking to will also say the same thing back. And then you say, great. And you walk away and you move on with your day. But if the church is truly supposed to be like a hospital, we should be full of broken people. When you come through these doors, you shouldn't have to be ashamed to say, hey, I'm not doing well if we're going to be honest. You shouldn't be ashamed to walk through the doors feeling terrible, feeling awful, coming through these doors saying, man, I I, I just need some Jesus today. Right? Because that's why you're here. That's the reason you come. And, I think as a church, we have sort of, um, and, and I don't want to say, I, I'm not talking specifically about Lake Point Church. Um, I'm talking about church in general, just like a broad term of, of church across the United States. I'm not talking about Lake Point when I say this, but I think as a church, we've sort of changed that persona of a church being like a hospital and changed it more into a church of being like a country club. When you come through the doors, you are all perfect. Everybody is dressed to the, to, to the nines the way they're supposed to be. Everybody acts a certain way. Everybody puts on this fake mask of like, hey, this is me. And, you know, that, that's who I am. And then when somebody walks in that doesn't look like us or somebody walks in who maybe doesn't seem like they should be here, we say, what's wrong with that person? Why are they here? Why do they look like that? And we don't go talk to them. We don't try to figure out why they're here. We kind of cast them aside. When they're coming to the church, the whole reason why they're supposed to, the whole reason the church was here. Now, again, I don't want to say this This is for Lake Point because it's not. And I'll even say that I've been to a lot of churches in my however old I am, um, too many to count. And Lake Point is super welcoming. It's one of the friendliest and most inviting churches that I've been to. And I'm not just saying that because I'm up here. It's um, It's true. Um, And any time that we have like a meeting with staff or anything like that, we talk about, you know, we'll get um, like stuff on the comment cards to say, hey, you know, I was welcomed. I felt invited. I felt, you know, I felt like this is where I was supposed to be. And that's a testament to to you guys that we haven't adopted that country club mentality. But if we're not careful, that can that can kind of creep in because it happens all over the United States. When you come into these church, when you come into these doors of this church, of this sanctuary, of this worship center, whatever you want to call it, it's okay to be broken. It's okay to feel down. It's okay to not feel yourself. That's why you're here. That's what church is for. That's what the people around you are for, is to work together for that purpose. Um, and I think that we just Because of that, because of the country club mentality, because of that sort of, we we don't really want to talk about the brokenness in our lives. I think a lot of time we don't do a good job um, as pastors, we don't do a good job as as talking about those hard things. Um, We we don't do a very good job uh, of talking about those things to fix our broken self. We, We don't make it a point to go out of our way and say, hey, you know what? This is not a popular thing to say. This is not a popular thing to talk about, but this is what our people need. And we just kind of brush it aside. Now, again, I'm not talking about Lake Point because I've been convicted by Pastor Frank too many times to count. Um, and I know that a lot of you have as well. And he does a very good job of saying, you know, what, I don't care. This is what my people need. This is what God has given me. And that's what I'm sharing. So I'm not talking about Lake Point again, specifically. I'm talking about churches as a whole. Um, this day and age, pastors try to shy away from those hard pills to swallow, we're in that age of the prosperity gospel where everything is okay and everything's going to be fine. And, you know, if you just give money, your whole life is going to be better forever, right? That, that's the kind of the age we're living in. And that, that's, not, that's not the case. Yeah, yeah, we're good. You know, Christianity is awesome and we're happy most of the time. But what about those times when we're feeling down? What about those times when we're not feeling up to par? What do we do? Because I feel often enough, we don't get that from church. We don't get that, hey, I'm, not, I'm feeling down. What happens to me? I need some advice. I need some real-life examples. I need some biblical stories where I can look at that and say, okay, this is how this person struggled. How can I take what I learned from that and apply it to my own life? Right? Um, and I just... I feel like one of those things that we need to talk about today is, is that darkness that we don't really talk about, right? Um, and, and what I mean by that is um, when, we say, when we say darkness and feelings, I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. We can feel an overwhelming feeling of darkness sometimes in our life. And we may not know exactly what that is, but, but we feel it. There are some times in our life when we're, when we're just walking through life and we're just doing life on a daily basis that we just kind of feel dark inside. And there's, it may not necessarily that we did something wrong or that we did something to bring that darkness on us. It may just be that we woke up that way. And, and we all of a sudden kind of feel like, why do I have this? What is this feeling that I'm feeling? And we don't really know where it comes from, we don't really know what it is, and we sure as heck don't know what to do with it when we get it, right? Because, see, I feel a range of emotions on a daily basis. I'm going to be honest with you, I'm an extremely emotional person. Extremely emotional. I can feel like happy, mad, sad, angry, all in like a span of like a thirty-minute television show. All right, um, and if it's a good TV show, it'll make you feel all those four things in thirty minutes. Um, but I can feel that way like on the daily, right? And and those are surface feelings. Like when you're happy, that's like a surface feeling. Um, when you're sad, that's like a surface feeling. When you're angry at something, that's like sort of a shallow kind of feeling, right? But but I'm talking. What about those feelings that are deeper than that? Those feelings that go so much deeper into yourself that you're like, whoa, where did that come from? And it kind of scares you a little bit at how strongly you feel that. Those feelings can be things like guilt, anxiety, um, hopelessness, loneliness. Um, here's the big one depression, the big one depression, right? Those are the kind of feelings that I'm talking about. That's the darkness that I'm talking about. That darkness that gets so deep inside you, you're like, man, this scares me how hard I feel that today. I am, uh, I'm kind of the poster child for this as well, because I'm not going to lie, I get my feelings all the time. Um, That's something that I do all the time. There's actually a... uh, there's a song, it's like the, the In My Feelings, right? It's the In My Feelings Challenge. If you're under like you know 18, you might know what that is. Um, I'm not gonna do it because I'm an awful dancer. Um, there's a dance that goes along with it, and, uh, but I'm just not gonna do it. You can YouTube that later. It's actually really funny. Um, but when we talk about being in your feelings, what we're actually talking about is feeling something and being something in your head so deep that you're like, man, I, I'm just thinking about everything, right? I do this when I sit down to go to sleep all the time. When I lay down to go to sleep, I don't go to sleep. I sit there and I go through every possible thing, like things that I did wrong like 13 years ago. I'm like, man, I still feel bad about that. Or I'm like already like feeling sorry for things that I'm gonna do tomorrow, right? And I'm like, man, I just, I'm all up in my feelings tonight and I can't go to sleep. And we're like that a lot if we're honest with ourselves. You, you may be sitting here, you're like, I don't really do that. I don't really think about my feelings. You, you do, Um, you, you just may not know it, but you do. Um, and that happens to me all the time. Um, and I, am sort of better about it now than I used to be, um, because I'm getting better about learning how to, you know, train my mind to kind of turn off when it needs to turn off. Um, but there's one feeling and there's one emotion and there's one type of darkness that I'm going to hit on today that doesn't get talked about a lot. And that's the topic of depression. Um, that's something that I have struggled with, you know, for a while. Um, not so much anymore, but it used to be when I was younger. And I feel like we, the church just doesn't do a very good job talking about that most times. And I know because I tried to YouTube some sermons about depression, and I got like two results. We just don't talk about it and i wondered why oftentimes i'm like why do we not talk about this why is this something that 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 as a church we don't give that information to our people and i thought about it and i thought about it some more and i came up with a couple of reasons the first reason is maybe we just don't understand it and that's true depression is something that's really hard to understand um, because it's different for everybody. It takes a bunch of different forms. Um, for some people, it may be you are like, you just can't even get out of bed. And then some people, you can act like you're fine still, but deep down inside, you know you're not right. It can affect you mentally. It can affect you physically, emotionally. It can affect all different areas of our life. So one reason we don't talk about it is maybe just because we don't fully understand it ourselves. So how are we going to talk about it if we don't understand it? Another reason is because I think that it's, there's, this sort of, um, there's this sort of stigma about the, the word depression of, when you talk about it in terms of Christianity, you're like, well, why should a Christian be depressed? I don't think that's biblical. I don't think a Christian is allowed to be depressed because you have Jesus, so you're supposed to be happy all the time. That's not true. Um, it, it's just not. And I think a lot of times we, we don't really talk about our depression because of that. We don't have pastors get up here saying, hey, I'm gonna talk to you about what happens when you feel depressed, and we don't do that because you're not supposed to feel depressed. You don't need to know what that feels like because you're not supposed to feel that way if you're actually truly living a Christian life. But that's not true. And I think another reason is because I just don't know if something this dark and this heavy um, is something that, you know, needs to be preached from a a stage on Sunday mornings. Because it is. I'm not going to lie. It's dark. It's heavy. But it's something that people need to hear. It's something that I need to hear. And if I need to hear it, I can guarantee you there's at least one other person in this room that needs to hear it. So that's what I want to focus on today. And I'm going to give you some biblical examples of really, really good and prominent um, prophets in the Bible who struggled with depression. Because there were. And then I'm going to try to give you some practical real life advice or real life something to cling on to to say you are not alone in what you're going through. You are not alone in whatever it is that you're feeling. I promise you, and I can promise you that. So the example that I'm going to give you, the biblical example that I'm going to give you is um, uh, from the prophet Elijah. Uh, and it's going to, we're going to be in 1 Kings 19. So if you want to go ahead and get that queued up, uh, we'll turn there in a minute. Um, but before we start reading his... Um, the, the, the part that I want to read, I want to talk about a little bit of background first. Um, before we get to what we're talking about today, in the previous um, chapter before this, in 1 Kings 18, Elijah performs probably one of the greatest um, miracle performance, God-driven things throughout the Bible. Um, and a lot of you probably know this story, um, but we have Elijah... And he has his followers, the followers of Jesus and followers of God. Um, and he says, all right, here's what's going to happen. We have followers of a pagan God over there, uh, the, the, um, the prophet of Baal, right? They, they are all these disciples of Baal, who's a pagan God in this land. And Elijah says, okay, you know what? If your God is better than my God, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a little competition. You Baal prophets over here. I want you guys to build an altar. And then I want you, if your God is as powerful as you say he is, I want you to pray for it. And I want you to pray to him that he will send lightning and fire down and strike and light this altar. And then I'm going to do the same thing with my followers over here. I'm going to build myself an altar. And because I know my God is more powerful than yours, I'm going to call you know, on God to say, hey, I'm going to bring fire, lightning down, and we're going to light this altar. Sound good? And the followers of Baal, the pagan God, said, Yeah, yeah, that's good. We know our God will come through for sure. So they do, and these prophets of Baal, they're over here, they're they're making their altar and they're praying, and nothing's happening. Just, just nothing's going on. They're praying and they're praying. And Elijah's just over there like, What you doing, guys? Come on. I thought, you know, your God was supposed to be this all powerful God. I thought he was supposed to be better than my God. You can't even light your own altar, right? Well, then Elijah comes over here and he says, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. Because I believe so much in my God, I'm going to pour water all over this altar. And he ends up pouring, I think, like three huge jars of water on his altar. And they do that. And he prays, and God absolutely rains down and just like lights this altar on fire, and there's this big sacrifice that's being made, and everybody, all of Elijah's people, all the followers of God are just celebrating and cheering, and just the prophets of Baal over there are just in awe of what just happened. Elijah is on top of the world. Elijah is saying, look at what I've done for you, God. I've proven your majesty. I've proven your power, your ability, your wonderfulness to all of those people who didn't believe. This is one of the most powerful stories of God's, like, God's power and grace and abundance Just of, of sheer, just like whatever he wants to do, he can do it in Elijah's life. Elijah's on top of the world. Well, what we're about to read in the very next chapter, right after that happened, Elijah is in like crippling depression just a day or two after something like that happened. So we're going to start in 1 Kings 19 um, and we're going to read just the first like nine verses. So we're going to start in 1 Kings 19 verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had executed all the prophets with his sword. So after Elijah, um, after he set his altar on fire, he ordered all of the prophets of Baal to be killed um, by his people. And the God's people slayed um, the followers of Baal. Well, the king of the time didn't like that very much. That was Ahab. Um, He didn't like that very much, King Ahab. And he said, "Um, that's not going to happen, Elijah. He said, um, so what he did is he sent a messenger to Elijah in verse 2 saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make, uh, verse 2, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So King Ahab sent a messenger to Elijah and said, hey, you're going to be dead by tomorrow. Because you killed my people, you're going to be dead by this time tomorrow. So in verse 3, what is his response? What is Elijah's response? And when he saw that, he rose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough now Lord take my life for I am no better than my fathers. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, "Arise and eat." Then he looked and there it was and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate, drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, "Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you." So he rose Ate and drank, and he went into the str- and he went into the strength of that food forty days and forty nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And we're going to pause right there. This is a story. This story happens just a day or two after one of the biggest moments of Elijah's life. And we get this picture of him running into the wilderness by himself and praying for God to kill him. A day or two after something so powerful that he had done. Isn't that just like our emotions? Isn't that just like our feelings? You can be on the highest of highs. You can be having the best day. You could be in the midst of the best day or week of your life. And then all of a sudden you go to sleep and you wake up the next morning and you feel like straight garbage. We don't know why. It's just how it happens. That's life. Some days you wake up and you feel awesome. You feel like you can take on the world. You feel like you can conquer everything. You feel like nothing can touch you. And then some days You can't even get out of bed. And some days you feel so fragile. Some days you feel so insecure. Some days you feel so weak that you can't even stand up. And that's life. That that has nothing to do with being a, a, a bad Christian, right? Or that has nothing to do with not following the will of God. Look at Elijah. Elijah just had the best experience of his life. And then right after that, he ran away alone in the wilderness. He ran away. It's almost like he was, af- he was so afraid and he ran away because he was scared that he forgot the mighty power that he had just witnessed. Why would you be scared if I, ju- if I just saw God raining down like a fire from heaven and like, you know, lighting this altar, I wouldn't be afraid of anything. It's like he forgot and he just runs away. That is just like us. We do the same thing. I do the same thing. There's days when I wake up and I'm feeling awesome. There's days that I wake up and I feel terrible. I can't bring myself to get out of bed. I have to like, like roll myself out of bed. Like I can't even get up. I like literally have to roll myself on the floor because I don't have the strength to to sit up. That's all of us. That's happened to us at least, at least everybody in this room, at least one time before. And what that comes down to is if that's you, and maybe that's you more often than not, maybe you're on the wrong side of that. Maybe you're on the wrong side of the good days and you have way more bad than good. And if that's the case, I feel you. I really do. If that's the case, I've been there. If that's the case, Elijah's been there. If that's the case, there are a lot of people like you, like us, who have been there. And what it all comes down to is I learned this early on in life um, when I was struggling with all this and I was trying to figure out, how do I fix myself? What do I do? I can't bring myself to get out of bed for weeks at a time. Help me. It's all about your mindset. You are the director of your own mindset. Nobody else can tell you what your mindset and perspective should be. So when you wake up and you're feeling that awful and you're feeling that fragile and you're feeling that terrible, it's all about your mindset. If you wake up and you say, hey, you know what? I don't feel all that well, but you know what? I know God's got me. Or I, I, I'm feeling kind of sensitive. I'm feeling kind of weak today. I'm feeling sort of insecure today. We'll say, you know what? I was made in the image of God. I can face whatever it is that's out there because I was made in his image. I was made from him. I was made to be like him. Jesus, God, would not just lay in this bed all day feeling weak and insecure. You have to be that director of your own mindset. If you're not there in your own head to get yourself out of that bed, you won't. I know because I've done it. I've sat there and I have like sat there in my self-pity and said, I don't feel good today. So I'm just going to lay here all day. And then I feel worse and worse. And that happens the next day and the day after that and the day after that. Until eventually you get to the point where you say, wow, you know, these were just feelings. But now I think I actually am insecure. I think I actually am weak. I think I actually am what, whatever that blank is that you feel. It's all about the mindset. It's all about, hey, when you wake up, you have to know that you are, that, that that's what you want to do. If you don't want to do it, you won't. You have to have that want to. God's going to meet you and he's going to help you, but you have to do that initial. You have to do that want to. We talked a few weeks ago about how, um, about how when we studied Ruth, about how she was motion activated. She got up and started moving and then God met her. This is the same thing. You have to want to. The next thing I love about what Elijah did um, and about his story and why I can relate so much is I love that he ran into the wilderness. Um, It talks about when he ran away, um, it says he he spent a day's journey just, just running into the wilderness to be alone. I don't know about you, but anytime I'm feeling down, anytime I'm feeling dark or depressed or sad, the one place I wanna be is outside. I wanna be in nature. And I don't really know why that is, but let me tell you what I believe. I believe it's because when you're feeling down like that and you're being called to go outside into nature, that's God calling you say, "Hey, come join me. Come join me in my creation. Let me speak to you. Let me take care of you." Because outside we just when you're in just being able to see the trees, feel the breeze. If you go outside at night and see the stars, hear the birds, hear the, hear the crickets or whatever it is that you hear, just feeling that it it lifts my soul. It really does. It speaks to me. And I think that's God saying, Hey, listen, dude, I see you. I see you sad. I see you struggling. Come out here with me. Come join me in my creation. And I love that we have this example from Elijah because it just says he just ran into the wilderness and I can just, I can picture myself doing that, um, which I I wouldn't survive in the wilderness. I know that. But if I did, I could see myself doing that. Um, I would love to just go and just, just experience that, you know, and then some of you say, well, why don't you just go camping? And yeah, I'm not going to go camping either. Um, I will um, be just fine with my back deck in my neighborhood. That's enough wilderness for me. So the next little, the next part of this, um, I want to spend some time on. And and this is one of the, um, I think this is really the reason why we don't talk about depression in churches um, is because it's heavy. In this next verse, it talks about Elijah praying to God, hey, just just kill me. Just take my life. I want to die. I'm no better than my I'm no better than the rest of my family, so I might as well just die. Y'all, there are people every single day who feel that way. There are people every single day who feel that they are being crushed by the weight of that darkness. And And they feel that way every single day. Not all of them act on it, but a lot of them do. There are people who commit suicide every single day because they don't know what to do when they have these overwhelming emotions, because they don't know what to do when they're feeling dark, because they don't know what to do when they're feeling this overwhelming sadness that they don't feel like they have another way out. That's what Elijah felt. He said, God... I don't know what else to do. I'm I'm overwhelmed. I'm emotional. I'm all up in my feelings, God. Elijah was all up in his feelings. He's like, God, I don't know what else to do, just kill me. Happens to people every day, not just non-Christians. Happens to Christians all the time. We don't talk about it because we don't like to think about it. We don't like to think about the fact that, you know, that one of us, somebody like us, if you're a Christian, that that could happen to us, that we could get into a place where we're so dark and we're so desperate and we're so needy for something that we don't know what else to do. There's a really sad story of a really prominent pastor, I think in like California a couple months ago, that had a wife and children, an awesome congregation. And then all of a sudden his family wakes up one morning and he's dead. They didn't even know. They didn't even know that he was feeling that way because he was a pastor. He didn't think he was supposed to be able to feel that way. Y'all, that's so wrong. That is so wrong when, when we have pastors and good Christian men and women who think that they can't turn to the church because they're not supposed to feel the way that they feel. That's wrong. And the, sad, let me, the saddest thing to see I teach sixth grade. I teach these little sweet, cute 11-year-old little children. The saddest thing that I have ever seen is to pick up suicide notes between these two girls. That happened to me all of last year. At 11 years old. I can't even imagine feeling so dark and feeling so helpless and so alone that at age 11, I was entertaining that thought. You know, it happens to everybody. It happens every day. It's not an easy thing to talk about. It's not an easy thing to discuss. It's not an easy thing for me to get up here and have to admit. It's not an easy thing to get up here and talk to you guys and say, hey, you know what? This is a real problem, but it is. And the reason why I do it is for those little 11-year-old girls who think they have nowhere else to turn to They think they can't get help from a church. They think they're not supposed to be feeling that way. It's okay. It's okay. There are people all over the world that feel that. There are people in the Bible that feel that way. And I think that because it's so difficult for pastors and for us to talk about, we don't. And I think that's what has led to this epidemic of Children being depressed, because it happens all the time. There are kids all throughout my school, all throughout the kids that I teach, we get their medical forms, and they're taking all sorts of antidepressants at 11 years old, because we don't talk about it. Parents don't talk about it with their kids. Parents don't understand it, and I get it it's confusing. I get it. It's hard to talk about. If you've never experienced what it's like to be so dark, you don't know. And I understand it's hard, but I, I, I urge you parents, please, please have those hard conversations. You know, I can only do so much as a social studies teacher who sees them for an hour and a half a day. I can only do so much I'm only allowed to do so much. Please have those hard conversations with your children. It's, it's, not, <laughs> it's not easy, but it needs to happen. I can just, I can imagine Elijah in this moment as, as he's, He's, he's kneeling under this broom bush, um, which is just this big leaf bush. And he's just down. He's probably face down on the ground. He is just sobbing his eyes out. And he's saying, God, just kill me. Just take my life. I feel so awful. Just just take me. And I, <laughs> there, there's this sort of stigma as well. There's this sort of like men don't cry rule, right? Well, if that's the case, you know, whatever. Um, But I truly believe, and somebody told me this a while ago. I don't remember who it was now. It was when I was much younger. They said, crying, actually, the reason why we do it is because the tears will clear our eyes and give us a clearer perspective of what's actually going on those tears will wash away that sort, of, that sort of darkness, that sort of whatever that you're feeling, and it'll give you a clearer perspective to see, hey, you know what? It's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. I can just imagine Elijah just sobbing, saying, God, please help me. God, I don't even know if you can help me. Just take me. And in that moment, in that moment, I can only imagine what God is what God is thinking God's like, man Elijah, look what I just did and now all of a sudden you, you don't think you need to be here God's probably saying no, Elijah, no, that's not the answer that is not the way to go that is not that is not the answer and I if any one of you anybody out here is, is thinking that that is the answer, let me tell you right now, it's not. I promise you it's not. That is not the answer. That, do, that does not help anything. You may think it does, but it doesn't. All that does is it puts the burden on everybody else, and you don't want that. You don't want that. Notice to Elijah's response to this situation, right? He was put in a pretty terrible situation. He was, which is why he acted the way that he did. We're put into difficult situations every day. Every day of our life, we're put into difficult situations. Now, it may not be that anybody's trying to kill us. Um, If that's the case, you might, should probably go to the police about that. Um, But we're put in difficult situations every day. I learned early on too. Um, I have all kinds of advice that I'll throw out at you at some point. Um, that may be practical, may not be. But um, one of the things that I was taught early on is they said, "Jackson, you know what? You're gonna have problems. You're gonna have issues." God even tells us that. God even tells us in 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 His Word. He says, "Listen, it's not gonna be easy. You will struggle." But don't worry, I've overcome everything else, but I'm literally telling you, there will be problems. You will have issues, God tells us that. And I learned early on, somebody once told me, they said, Jackson, the problem is not the problem. The problem is your response to the problem. And here's what that means, it's really confusing terminology, but basically what that means is, the issue that you're having is not the the actual problem, the issue is how you respond to that problem because you can respond however you want to. It may be good, it may be bad, but the issue is not the actual issue. The issue is what you, how you respond to that. Elijah, his response to the problem of thinking somebody was after him and was going to kill him was to run away. Now, that may not be the best response to the problem, but it was his, that was his response. We might have reacted differently, right? We might take the problem and it may have a very easy solution. Maybe all we needed to do was stop and pray about it and God would tell us what we were supposed to do. But instead, our response to the problem was to try to fix it ourselves and we end up screwing up eight other things. The problem is not your problem. The problem is your response to the problem. We got to learn to get better at responding to issues when we feel uncomfortable, We've got to get used to, instead of trying to fix everything ourselves, let God worry about that. Because you might be having this problem for some plan that he has, you know, 10 years down the road. But because you don't want to wait that long or because you want to fix it right now, you end up screwing up eight other things. I'm the worst. If something's wrong, I need to fix it ASAP. And I end up making it worse. I'm trying to learn that. I'm not a patient person. It's terrible. It's painful for me to wait. I hate it, but I'm learning. Or if you ask my wife, I'm attempting to learn to be patient. Not quite there yet, but I'm trying, I promise. Um, The response to your problem is key. Always stop and say, if Elijah would have said, all right, God, there's somebody trying to kill me. You just did this for me. Look at the power that I display. Look at the power that you've shown through me. What do I do? He may not have gotten to this point where he was so dark and down and depressed. Depression not only only affects us emotionally and mentally, it can also affect us physically. Notice the first thing that he did after he, he prayed for God to kill him. What did he do? He slept. Sleep is vital. Sleep is crucial. Sleep is one of the most important things you can do for your body. It's where your body recharges. It's where your body rests. It's where your body heals itself from the everyday wear and tear that you put on it. And if you don't sleep, if you don't rest, your body doesn't get a chance to heal itself. So then the day day after you don't sleep, Your body is not even close to functioning at 100% because you didn't get the necessary amount of sleep that you needed to fix it. Rest is crucial. Rest is vital. And I just told you from the very beginning, before I even started, it's hard for me to sleep because I'm all up in my feelings all the time. It's hard. You've got to sleep. Sleep is key. Notice God let him sleep. God didn't try to wake him up and say, Elijah, what you doing? Why are you sleeping? Let's go. Let's get a move on. He's in the middle of the wilderness. Something could have came and attacked him. It didn't. God protected him. God let him sleep. God knew he needed that rest. God knew he needed to recharge because sometimes when you're having a bad day, all you need is a good night's sleep. Happens to me all the time. I'm grumpy a lot. Sometimes all I need to do is go to sleep. When I wake up in the morning, pretend like nothing happened. I feel better. That's what sleep does you need sleep. Also, you got to make sure you're taking care of your body. Um, Self-care is huge. Self-care is vital. Look what God did. God provided him a meal. God provided him food and water. God provided him nourishment. If you're not taking care of your body, that can actually lead to emotional and mental problems. Um, There are scientific studies that have said, hey, people who don't eat healthy, people who don't eat right, people who don't exercise their body right, are more of an at risk to develop, um, depression and awful thoughts because you're not taking care of yourself. Your body's not functioning the way it should. It's not functioning the way it intended to be. Self-care is huge. Self-care is important. That's something that's sort of like a buzzword now in our society. That's like, Hey, you got to make sure you're taking care of yourself. You gotta make sure that you're giving your body the appropriate amount of whatever it is that it needs. And this goes actually, self-care and and, and self-image is another one too, how you you view yourself. If you have a negative view of yourself, your thoughts and your actions are going to portray that. This doesn't even have to do with depression. This is anybody. I can guarantee you there is everybody out here at least once in their life, um, maybe even this morning, You looked in your mirror and you've struggled to look at yourself. You've looked in your mirror and you didn't see exactly what you saw or exactly what you wanted to see. You saw something else. You saw something you weren't happy with. You looked in your mirror and you said, oh, not going to look at that today. Or you got up, you looked in the mirror and you said, ugh i don't I don't know if I can be seen like that today I'm, I'm just not going to go to church today or i I just don't know if I can get out of bed today. Let me tell you something. the image that you see in the mirror is only one side of you. you only get to see one side you only get to see what you see when you look in a mirror. You don't get to see what your face looks like when you're, you're laughing when you're out with your friends. You don't get to see what your face looks like when your face lights up, when somebody you love walks through the room. You don't get to see what your face looks like when you're out having fun and just smiling and laughing and having an awesome time. You don't get to see that part of your face, you don't get to see that part of yourself. That's what people are drawn to for you. That's what makes you beautiful, not what you see in the mirror, You live your whole life, and as awful as it is, you live your whole life not being able to see who you really are in the mirror because all you see is one side. So let me tell you something. If you are one of those people struggling with looking yourself in the mirror, just know you look nothing like that to everybody else. Look nothing like that to everybody else. You are beautiful. Beautiful. You are made in the image of God. You are his masterpiece. That's what he says. He says, We are made in his image. We are God's masterpiece. He doesn't make you by mistake. He doesn't make you by accident. He made you the way you are, just the way you are because you're beautiful and you're perfect. That's the first step to self image. That's the first step to self care. You got to have the right mindset. And the moment that you're able, the moment that you're able to accept that, the moment that you're finally able to accept who you are, that's when you can begin to grow. Because you can't grow without that ability. You can't grow without accepting yourself first. That's step one. Until you can look in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm stronger than my demons. I am more strong than my pain that I'm feeling. I am bigger than the problems that I'm facing. My God is bigger than everything that I could possibly have. That is the moment where you begin to grow. That is the moment where I promise confidence will come over you. That is the moment where you can finally take that step out and say, God, yes, I am exactly who I'm supposed to be. But it all starts with a mindset. It all starts with knowing you're made in the image of God. The last thing that I want to throw out to you real quick bef- um, just before we close here is I want you to understand one thing. You are not suffering from depression because you're a terrible person. You are not suffering from depression because maybe, you're doing some, maybe you think you're doing something you're not supposed to. Or maybe you are suffering from depression and you don't think that you're a Christian because of it, because you've heard that Christians should always be happy. That's not it. This is a perfect example. Elijah is a perfect example. Depression can happen to anybody. Darkness can befall anybody, even in the midst of you doing everything right. Right even in the midst of you living a, as perfect of a life as you probably can, one day you just might wake up and feel that way and you don't know why. Or maybe, maybe you are somebody who, who is actually in that right now. Maybe you are somebody who says, you know what? I have more really bad and dark days than I do really good days. I'm Elijah right now. Maybe you're that person who is face down sobbing before God, begging him to take your life. And if that's you, I can relate. I can relate. And you know what? It's okay. God loves you. I love you. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing, nothing wrong with you. But I would give you a word of advice, if that's you. It is never too early or too late to decide to be the person that you're supposed to be. You could go through your entire life pretending you're somebody else, trying to live a fake life, trying to put on a mask and walk around to people um, that you don't really know and saying that you are somebody else. It is never too late for you to take that mask off and say, you know what? This is who I am. See, sometimes depression hides behind that mask. Sometimes some of the darkest people, some of the most depressed and saddest people I know, I would never have guessed because they fake it so well. If that's you, take the mask off. Take it off. It's not, it's not benefiting you. All you're doing, that's like putting a band-aid over a gunshot wound. It's, it's not helpful. It fixes it for a second. It makes you feel better about it. Take it off and be honest. The moment that you can accept that you're sad, the moment that you can accept there's something going on inside you, is the minute that you'll begin to grow. So as we close, I'm going to ask Logan just to come up and just play something behind me really quick. Um, but what I want to do in this moment is I I, I just want to to encourage you to just 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 take a minute. Just take a minute to yourself and say, God, I, I, I feel depressed. I feel darkness if that's you. If that's you, take it off. Say, God, I admit. I admit that's me. I admit I struggle. I admit that is me to a T. And maybe if you're not one of those people, that's okay too. Um, I'm, I'm genuinely happy for you if you've never had to experience that. And if that's you, then I would ask you to pray to God and say, God, how can I help people like that? Because that's where it starts. It starts by us being willing and open and able to help people that way instead of just brushing them aside. The last thing that that Elijah does um, that we read about is after he eats, he gets up. He gets up and goes to a cave where God has called him to go. Sometimes it's the little things. Sometimes just getting out of bed causes for celebration when you're that down in the dumps. Celebrate the little things. It's okay, little victories, small things, one step at a time, that's what this is all about. You're not gonna cure yourself overnight. It's about a process, it's about steps to take. Trust me, I'm still working. It's been 10 years, (laughs) still working, but I'm here. If you need this time I would just ask that we're, we're just going to take like a minute I, I just want you to whatever it is that you're feeling whether you're feeling that heaviness whether you're feeling that darkness whether whatever it is that you're feeling just take a moment with God and let him work that out with you he knows what it is you might not know what it is but he does he'll work that out with you and if that's not you then pray for somebody else because I know that we all know at least one person in our lives who feels that way. So if you don't feel that way, you know somebody who does. Pray for them. Pray for them that they would be able to get rid and start releasing that darkness and pray that you'd be the one to help them to do it. Release that stigma from this. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you, God. I thank you being a wonderful awesome and mighty mighty God I thank you for everybody in this room and I thank you that you've given us stories the one like Elijah God that shows us you know what sometimes it's okay to not be okay that you know what I might not be feeling up to par today God but there are people in the Bible who felt that way too I'm not alone we are not alone. And God, I pray for everybody in this room. If, if that is them, if, if they are like Elijah and they are on their knees face down before you, sobbing, saying, God, I don't know what else to do. Just take my life. God, please show them that that is not the answer. Please show them the awesome and wonderful things that you have planned for their life. Because it's not worth it. It's not. And God, I pray for those people who who, who maybe just, just suffer from a little bit of this depression, God, that they just don't know what to do with it because they've never been taught or they've never been counseled or they don't really know what's going on. God, I pray that you reveal that to them and start working on their heart. Nobody deserves to wake up feeling insecure and sad and lonely and depressed every morning. God, nobody deserves that. I pray that you be with those people And heal them and start working on their hearts, God. And I pray for everybody in the room who maybe has struggled with that before and is now better, God. I pray for them that they would be willing and able to be mentors to the people who need it. There is no better mentor to people with depression than people who have been through it before and have come through clean on the other side, God. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love thank you for giving us life on this earth to praise and glorify and honor you. I pray all these things in your name, amen.